0: Fatima, best of all king-size cigarettes, brings you Dragnet.
1: You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. An elderly man is found dead in the living room of his home. There's a single bullet hole in his chest. On the surface, it appears the man took his own life, but the evidence points to the opposite. Your job, investigate.
0: More and more smokers coast to coast are saying this about king size fatima every day. They're different. Better. They are different.
2: So pleasing.
1: Yes, in Fatima. The difference is quality. You see, Fatima contains the finest domestic and Turkish tobaccos superbly blended. And Fatima is extra mild, with a much different Much better flavor and aroma. Compare Fatima with any other king-size cigarette. You'll find Fatima gives you all the advantages of extra length, plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette has. Yes, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Next time, buy Fatima. Best of all
0: king-size cigarettes. Dragnet
3: Wednesday, January 10th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We're working a day watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 8.25 a.m. when I got to the police academy, the doctor's office. Morning. Morning. Can I help you? I'm checking in for my annual physical. Oh, okay. All right. see your name. Joe Friday. Okay. Friday? Just like the day in the week? Yeah, that's right.
4: Friday. Anything
2: to find? Are you sure you were notified?
4: Yeah, the teletype was posted in the office a couple of days ago.
3: Annual physical exams. My name was right near the top of the list. F-R-I-D-A-Y. Huh.
4: Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here you are. Joseph Friday. That's it, yeah. Well, all right, Friday. Let's get your name down here. Okay. Page? Thirty-four. Where you work? Central homicide. Serial hmm. number? Twenty two eighty eight. Twenty two eighty eight. Okay, hey, Finder, you want to step this way? All right. Step off your shoes, your coat, and shirt. Okay. Well, they're like keeping you busy? Oh, pretty busy, yeah. 4,500 men in the department. Everyone has to have an annual physical. Mm-hmm. Better get you weighed and send you along inside. Doc's probably ready for you by now.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Over here. Oh, never fails. Dr. Vance's office. Who's that? All right, just a minute. It's for you, Friday, your office. Thank you.
3: Friday talking. This is Ben, Joe. You about through over there? No, not quite. I haven't seen Doc Vance yet. What's the matter?
4: Body called up by Westlake Park. Radio cars out there now.
3: No one else in homicide to handle it? Not
4: right now. They're pretty busy. No use your
3: coming back to the office why don't you meet me out there? It's nine three two O Laurel Lane. Just a minute. Have that pad, Doc. Thank you. Nine three two O Laurel? I got it. What's the story?
4: Old man was found dead in his living room, bullet hole in his chest. Hmm. Man in the radio car said at first it looked like the old man had killed himself. They're not so sure now. What do you mean?
3: 8:45 a.m. I left the doctor's office at the police academy and drove to the Westlake area where I met Ben in front of the cottage where the dead body had been found. We went inside and checked with one of the men from the radio car who was standing by. The dead man was identified as Martin Latimer, age 68, a retired owner of a couple of neighborhood grocery stores in the city. He was lying sprawled on his side on the floor. There was a bullet hole in his chest just above the heart where the slug had entered the body. There was another larger wound in the back through the left shoulder blade where the bullet had emerged. Approximately eight feet across the room from the body was another chair. There was a Winchester rifle wired firmly to the top, its muzzle pointing directly above the spot where the body lay on the floor. A thick white string was found wound firmly around the trigger of the rifle. It ran through a metal ring on the stock of the gun and stretched across the room where it had been tied to the dead man's right index finger. At first glance, it seemed like an obvious suicide arrangement. Officer Harkness, one of the men in the radio car who had answered the call, took exception.
4: Well, I know, Sergeant. Maybe I'm all wet. just doesn't gel right for me. Who discovered the body, Harkness? Next door neighbor, Mrs. Donworth. My partner's with her now. You fellas call the crime line? Yeah, they're on their way out. Was the old man the only one who lived in the house here? Yeah, that's what the neighbor told us. Sure like to see what the crime lab crew is going to think of it. What's the big question, Sergeant? Well, I know it's none of my business, Sergeant. You fellas are the detectives. I just couldn't help but notice, though. What's okay. that? Well, here. Now, over here, uh, this rifle wired to the back of the chair. Yeah. I take a sight along the barrel of the rifle. See what you think. Right through the sight, huh? Mm-hmm.
3: Pointed right above the arms, you over there. Isn't it? It's in a yeah. straight line with the body. How uh-huh. much fist The old man pulled the string tied to his index finger, and it set off the trigger. Took the slug through the chest, is not right?
4: Yeah, that's what I figured. Now here, uh, take a look at the wall directly behind the old man.
5: Yeah.
4: Uh, the slug went clean through the body. We know that. Through the chest, above the heart, then out through the shoulder blade. Yeah, I see what you mean. Now here, now take a look at this wall here. Got a mark on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing, sure, if the
3: old man was shot in that position, the slug had to come this way. Well, passed through his body right about this height here. Uh huh. We ought to find a bullet hole in this wall, right right around here. Yeah, it ought to be. Not a trace of a slug there. Not much chance it could have been deflected, do you think? Well, that's what I thought. It's a 30 30 Winchester, enough power to go through a couple of plaster walls. Well, we know the slug went through the body. It's got to be somewhere
4: in one of these four walls. Uh, uh, take a look over here and see what you think. All
2: right.
4: Uh, down here near the corner of the wall. Where? Well, right here. Yeah, it looks like it, Ben.
3: Well, something's out of kilter. The rifle never could have thrown
4: the slug this far down on the wall. Not the way it's fired to the chair there. And besides, it's way out of line at least four feet the way I figured here. Well, I know it's none of my business, Sergeant. I couldn't help but notice it, though. Uh, You want me to stand by outside? Yeah, okay, if you will. Would you mind checking with your partner?
3: See if we can have that neighbor lady brought over for questioning, would you? Right, I'll check with him now. Thank you. Sure. I'm gonna take another look at that rifle. Well, it sure doesn't add up too well, does it? Even if the old man jerked the gun when he pulled the trigger with that string arrangement, the slug couldn't have passed through his chest, out his back, and then hit the wall where it did. Stand just behind the body, will you, Joe? See if it's possible to line it up. All right. What about here? Look about it to you? Uh yeah. That's good. Let me see here. No, not a chance, Joe. It's way out of line. Uh-huh. That's the gun that killed him. The old man didn't pull the trigger. Not from there, anyway. Well, there's one other chance. Yeah? Somebody pulled it for him. <laughs> Lieutenant Lee Jones arrived with his crime lab crew and went to work. We put in a call to the coroner's office, and then the dead man's neighbor, Mrs. Elsie Donworth, was brought over for questioning. She was a chubby, matronly lady, about 45. She told us she'd been a neighbor to the aging Martin Latimer for more than 10 years. I take it you knew Mr. Latimer pretty well, ma'am.
6: Yeah, I suppose. Didn't have any relatives, poor man, all alone. He was in the grocery business for years. He made some nice money, I guess. Retired about eight years ago, sold both his stores. Had an income from a mortgage on one of them. $150 a month. Yeah, he was very comfortable. Mm-hmm wasn't a penny-painter at all, but he was thrifty. It was the same way with my husband, Clark. He used to say, take care of the dimes and the dollars will take care of themselves.
3: Well, Mrs. Dunwood, can you think of any reason why Latimer would want to take his own life?
6: Oh, I suppose. You know, poor old man is getting along in years. A long time there, he was afraid he was going to die with cancer. Is that
3: so? Did Mr. Latimer have cancer? Do
6: you know? Oh, no. He kept thinking he was going to die with it. <laughs> Could you... Uh... Come next door to my place while I get some of my laundry out. We could talk there. It's just across the yard. All right, ma'am. That'll be fine. Hey,
3: Did you want to tell Lee Jones will be next door, Ben, guess you better let Harkness know, too. Yeah, right. I'll tell him. Thank you.
6: About that cancer business, Officer, Mr. Latimer was always talking about it. Yes, ma'am. He finally went to a doctor about it. That was uh, last week only. He came back and he told me the doctor said for him not to be so silly about it. He was a well man and good health.
3: Well, when was the last time that you saw Latimer, ma'am? Um,
6: uh, day before yesterday. Oh, we laughed and joked over the back fence. Mm-hmm. Poor old man. He had such a nice smile. Reminded me a good deal of Claude. That was my husband.
3: Well, I'd like to have your honest opinion, Ms. Donovan. Do you think Mr. Latimer killed himself?
6: Well, I suppose that rifle in there, that little conception. Set...
3: Joe, uh, I wonder if I could talk to you a minute. Yeah, Okay. Would you like to go on ahead over next door, ma'am? We'll be right with you.
6: All right, officer.
3: Thank you very much. We'll be right there,
4: ma'am.
3: Yeah. Crime lab proves having a field day. They say if the old man shot himself with that rig, it ought to make Ripley's call. Did they find anything definite? Dusted the rifle for fingerprints, didn't find a warrant. How about that? Yeah, it makes less sense than that slug buried in the corner of the wall, doesn't it? Sure does. Checked the desk in the living room, found some correspondence Latimer like was having with some woman through a Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah? Did you find any reason why he'd want to die? Pretty good reason why he'd want to live. Huh? Found a photograph. Beautiful girl. Looked to be about 24 or 5. Well, what about it? She was going to marry him. The crime lab crew continued their routine investigation of Martin Latimer's cottage. They removed a 30-30 slug from the corner of one wall. Ben and I went next door to question the neighbor, Mrs. Donworth. There didn't seem to be any common ground at all between the evidence in the house and the information that she had to offer. As we continued questioning her, Mrs. Donworth remembered that a month before, Latimer had told her that something might happen to him and he wanted to make out a will. He asked if she would witness the will. A few days later, Latimer's lawyer came to the house and Mrs. Donworth witnessed the signing. At that time, she said Latimer made the remark, I don't feel like going on much longer anyway. If death means arrest, I think I deserve one. Mrs. Donworth kept busy with the laundry while we interviewed her.
6: Could you let me get by to
3: the manual, officer? I have to get some of this ironing done. Yes, ma'am,
6: I'm sorry.
3: Uh-huh. I'm afraid there's one thing I don't remember you telling us, ma'am. Did you hear anything of the ordinary going on next door or this morning or last night?
6: No, nothing I noticed, anyway. Officer, did you see that knob on the washer, the one on the left? Oh,
3: you mean this over here?
6: Yeah, just lift it up and turn it around to off, please. It says off right
3: there in the dial. Yes, ma'am, I see there
6: you are. Yeah, thanks. No, there was nothing I heard from next door remark about. Of course, it's so noisy around here that time of morning, you can't even hear yourself think anyway.
3: How's that, man?
6: The uh, truck's passing by up and down every morning. They're not small trucks either. They start in at 6 a.m. and they rattle past for two or three hours at least
3: first good explanation we've had on this thing. Could you give us the names of some of the other people on the street who knew Mr. Latimer pretty well, Mrs. Donovan
6: Yeah, I suppose. I don't think any of them knew the poor old man as well as I did. Most of them are younger folks, you know, parties and things. When you get up around 65 or past it, like Mr. Latimer, parties don't mean so much anymore.
3: Yes, ma'am, I understand. Yeah.
4: It's a
6: nice quiet home with a good heating system. Good books on the shelf, good man
3: around the house. Is that all you can ask for? Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you very much. We'll leave our card here in case you want to contact us for any reason. All right, I
6: don't,
3: There's one more thing, Mrs. Donworth. We understand Latimer was corresponding with several women to a Lonely Hearts Club. Did he ever mention that to you? No, he never
6: did. I found out from the mailman. He's a regular gossip.
3: Uh-huh. And Latimer never mentioned any of the women that he corresponded with, is that right?
6: Well, I pretended I didn't even know about it. He never brought it up. Don't understand why he'd want to meet a lady that way. Almost most of them are looking for is a man with money so they can quit work and lay around the house.
3: Well, thanks again, Mrs. Donowitz. It's been very helpful.
6: Yeah. Poor oh, old man. I wonder what made him write letters after silly women little good they'd have done him. He wrote letters all over the country. Mm-hmm. Getting tired of working myself. Could have saved the postage, too. Beg I was right next door. Would have married him in a minute.
3: We left Mrs. Donworth's house a few minutes past noon, and we went back next door to Latimer's cottage. The crime lab crew had finished their investigation, and the deputy coroner arrived. He took the body downtown for autopsy. We talked over the crime lab findings with Lieutenant Lee Jones, and he felt the same way that Ben and I did. The theory that Latimer had shot himself to death was possible in many respects, but it was far from plausible. We checked through Latimer's correspondence with the women that he'd contacted by mail through the Lonely Hearts Club. Especially the young girl he obviously intended to marry, judging from his letters to her. Her picture showed her to be a brunette, dark eyes, young, and very attractive. The inscription at the bottom read, With love, Catherine. There was no return address on either the photo or the letter. Ben called to check with the Lonely Hearts Club. Yes, ma'am. No, that's all right. We'll probably be dropping down to talk to you. Yes, boy. What'd they say? Might be it, Joe. Club secretary says they've been having trouble with somebody who signs the pictures just like this one. It was Love Catherine. Uh-huh. I described the picture, and the secretary says it's the same girl. What's the angle? The girl doesn't belong to the club, but somehow she got a list of their members and their addresses. She writes to them, usually old men... Gets them set for marriage and they send for her. Huh? Her letters come from the east from different cities. She writes and asks for a train fare out here. You men send her the money for clothes and train fare, and that's the last of it. She's gone. Oh, it adds up all right. Now, this one letter here. This one. I hate to ask you, dear, but if you could send me the traveling money and just a little extra for some clothes, I will take the first train and be with you in a week to become your wife, awaiting that precious moment and so on. Hmm. Kind of pours it on thick. What's the date on there? Uh, let's see. Uh, December 30th. It's 12 days ago. What do you think? That's well, possible. She could have showed up, tried to grab all the old man's money she could find. Maybe he caught her at it. She killed him. Rigged up this phony setup to make it look like Latimer shot himself. And to hold more water if we could find out she really came here. Maybe we better start ringing a few doorbells. The other neighbors might come up with something. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, let me see that girl's picture again, will you? Mm, yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah. No photographer's name. Now, look in the back here, Ben. Uh-huh. Yeah? No, down here in the corner. Right in the corner of the picture mounting? Oh, yeah, yeah. XXX6Y3. Must be some kind of manufacturer's marking. Photography supplier. Guess uh-huh. it stands for the type of paper, huh? You know anything about the photo business? No, I don't. Neither do I. Let's find somebody who does, huh? <laughs> Before we drove back to the office, Ben and I covered the rest of the neighborhood and talked to everybody who knew the dead man, Martin Latimer, even remotely. They told us nothing that we didn't already know. There'd been no stranger seen visiting the old man. No one had noticed anything out of the ordinary in Latimer's daily routine. Three o'clock that afternoon, we checked with the police photo lab. They told us that the symbols stamped on the cardboard frame of the photograph signed Catherine were symbols used by a photo supply company up in San Francisco. We went back to the office and got in touch with the San Francisco firm. We were told that the symbols indicated the style and the size of photographic mounting. And further, that this particular type of mounting was distributed only throughout seven western states. They gave us a list of 18 photo studios in Los Angeles who kept that particular mount in stock. It was a long chance, but we started checking them out. Meantime, we'd run the girl through R&I and gotten out an APB seeking information on her. Three days later, Ben and I had checked out 10 of the 18 photo studios on our list. The 11th was the M&Y Family Portraits on
4: Melrose. Yes, sir. help you? Police officers, would you mind taking a look at this photograph here, please? Let's see. Would you like an enlargement? Got a special price on enlargements this
3: week. No, sir. we just like to know if you can identify this girl, that's all. Oh.
4: Hmm.
3: Well, do you recognize
4: her at all, sir? I know her. Sure you wouldn't like an enlargement?
0: Use a car of a Metropolitan Police Department. You receive a routine radio call.
5: All units, attention, all units. Pick up and hold for investigation the following vehicle: 1948 Ford, two-door sedan, black white sidewall tires.
1: There are many cars that fit this description. You listen for more facts.
5: This car will have extensive damage to right, front end. License number 9 Robert 9707. In the seven column, 9 Robert 9.
1: Now you can pin it down to one. It's the same with cigarettes. There are many king-size brands to choose from.
0: But when you know all the facts, you'll make your choice, Fatima. Here are those facts. Fatimas are the same in length and circumference as any other king-size cigarette. 85 millimeters long... One and one sixty-fourths inches around. And Fatima filters the smoke exactly the same long
1: distance. But in Fatima, the difference is quality. Fatima gives you extra mildness. A much different, much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima gives long cigarette smokers all the advantages of extra length. Plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette
0: has. Next time, insist on the best. By Fatima, best of all king size cigarettes.
3: Saturday, January 13th, 1.35 p.m. We showed the photograph of the girl to the proprietor of the photo studio on Melrose Avenue, and he identified her as one of his customers. He told us her name was Doris Chambers. She was 22 years old and a postgraduate student in chemistry at the university. She came from a fairly well-to-do family, and her father was the president of a local neighborhood bank. She didn't even come close to the type of girl that we were looking for. We got the address from the photographer, drove out to the home, and interviewed the Chambers girl. She gave a younger appearance than she did in her picture. She couldn't recognize the handwriting on the photo, nor did she understand the inscription with love, Catherine. After questioning her, it became apparent that she knew nothing at all about 68-year-old... Martin Latimer I wonder if you'd mind taking another look at the handwriting on the picture, miss Familiar at all?
5: No No, I couldn't be sure either way Seems like i have seen it, though
3: When did you say you had this picture made, miss?
5: About a year ago at graduation My mother had extra copies made up She liked it I didn't care for it much
3: Could you tell us how many people have prints of this picture?
5: Mama had two dozen copies made up She took twelve and I took twelve She sent them to relatives friends of ours Kept a few. Well, what'd you do with yours? Sent them to friends, girls at school, a few of my boyfriends.
3: Can you remember if you autographed any of them?
5: Yeah, some of them. The ones from my girlfriends. Others I gave out playing.
3: Well, can you try and think who you gave those two, to, Miss, the unsigned pictures?
5: One went to Carl, I know that. And Ray, and Fred, and Don, and Warren. I think that's it. I
3: wonder if we could have their full names and addresses, please.
5: It's all right. I you don't know what I'm saving all this junk for. Old letters. And... Could I see that picture, please?
4: Yeah, here you
5: are. What well, is the same writing? I thought I'd seen it before. But... This old letter from Warren. See the writing? Doesn't it look the same to you?
3: Hmm, looks close, Joe. Yeah, we well, i have done my own handwriting. Check it over. Who is this Warren, Miss Chambers?
5: Warren White. Here's his address right here.
3: Yeah, I'll copy it. Jump fine.
5: Warren and I went to college together. We were engaged to be married for a while, and then I broke it off. I see. Warren's a serious boy. He was very thorough, a perfectionist. You know, Sergeant. Never mm. does things halfway. That's so. Never known Warren to do anything in his life halfway. Not once.
3: Well, he's going to have a perfect record if that handwriting matches.
5: What can they do to him?
3: I don't know, but they won't do it halfway. <laughs> 2.55 p.m., we left the home of Doris Chambers and drove down Beverly Boulevard to 743 North Clarewood Avenue, an apartment house where the suspect was supposed to be living. We talked to the manager, and he told us that Warren White had moved without giving notice three days before on January 10th, the same day 68-year-old Martin Latimer was found dead in his home. We got on the phone, talked to Doris Chambers again, and she gave us a lead on Warren White's married sister. 7.30 p.m. We met with the sister of the murder suspect and she told us that her brother Warren had phoned that morning and asked for an emergency loan of $200, which she didn't have to give him. The sister gave us White's new address and we checked it out. It was one of those run-down, futuristic-style apartment houses built in the mid-30s. It was on a narrow road high above Sunset Boulevard overlooking most of Hollywood. White wasn't in and the manager said he wasn't expected back till early the next morning. We had the manager let us in White's apartment. We waited. Midnight, 1 a.m. No sign of the suspect. No denying it, it's sure a beautiful view from here. It's the best in town. Be nice for single fellows up here, when it? Wouldn't work with the family, though. How about you, Joe? Why don't you get your mother looking around up here? It'd be a beautiful place with the two of you. No, I don't think would ever leave the house. She's been there for 40 years. I guess she'll stay there till she dies. Would be nice up here, though, wouldn't it? What a view, huh?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, why don't you try talking her into it? You got nothing to lose. I might do that. Why don't you slide up one of the windows, get a little stuffy in there. Right. Oh, smell that air, huh? That's great. Yeah. What time you got? Mm, 1.45. Oh, it's a long night. We waited. 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 4.30... It was cold. Still no sign of the suspect, Warren White. 5 a.m., 5.30, 6 a.m. The sky was getting light over in the east. 6.30, 7 a.m., 7.30. We kept waiting. No sign of the suspect. We called the office and arranged for a relief. 8 a.m., we could hear groups of youngsters passing by outside, trooping into the main yard of a grammar school just below the apartment house. We kept waiting. At 8.15 a.m., we heard a car pull up in front of the apartment house. Footsteps came down the driveway, up the path, and stopped outside the door. We heard a key turn
2: in the lock. What is this? What do you want? You want one, right? Yes, Yes. Police officers got some questions we'd like to ask you. It's all right, officers. Why don't you sit down? I'm not going to give you any trouble. Huh? I killed him. Maybe I'll never know why, but I killed him. You want to
3: tell us about it? You must have had a reason for it, rigging it for a suicide. Do you have anything against
2: him? I hardly even knew him. He used that picture of Doris to fool made some good money doing it. I needed it. you willing to give us a statement about the whole thing? I haven't anything to hide, officer. The minute I killed him, I knew it was all over. Right there in that one minute. I knew you'd come and find me somehow. I didn't know when, but you'd come and find me. Well, okay, Ben. We better head downtown. Yeah. What? It's a great sound, isn't it? What's that? The schoolyard. Yeah. The kids. Got a great sound to it. Good one. You want to get your hat? All right. How can anybody figure? You start in a schoolyard like those kids down there, running around, yelling. I started the same. Better get going. I wonder what it is that happens. An eight-year-old red kid. There must be one down there now. Yeah, the other kids will grow up, get jobs, work, and die. It'll be all right. Yeah. And one kid'll end up in an alley with a gun in his hand. How can anybody figure? I don't know. A bunch of kids playing in a schoolyard. Someday one of them's a killer. Yeah. Let's go. You tell me. What's the answer? <laughs>
0: just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On April 2nd, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 88, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. And now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you. Friends, it's come to my attention that some people have a misunderstanding
3: about the cost of Fatimas. Well, I'd sure like to straighten that out for you right now. The cost of Fatima is the same as the cigarettes you're now smoking. Yes, that's right. Fatima's cost no more. But in Fatima, the difference is quality. Buy Fatima in the golden yellow
4: package.
0: Warren Thomas White was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. He received a sentence of life imprisonment. He is still serving his term in the state penitentiary, Folsom, California. Ladies and gentlemen... To build our strength against aggression, we've got to
1: equip our armed forces with weapons of war and at the same time produce plenty of civilian goods so that we can keep prices down. Remember, the better we produce, the stronger we grow.
0: A series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department.
1: Fatima, best of all king-size cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Stay tuned for Counter Spy next over NBC.